When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, welcome into episode eight of UAP, the Unidentified Alien Podcast with me, Stephen Diener, Karen Curtis right next to me over here. Karen, how are you? I'm well, Stephen. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's good. And you know how I like to start out our podcast with a little tidbit of trivia? Yes, you do. That's true. Uh, well, scientists have conducted tests that reveal Stonehenge is made from a nearly indestructible ancient material. Hmm. That is in, that is some interesting uh, trivia, well, Karen. Make, uh, well, <laughs> the rare core sample removed years ago contains a form of quartz that doesn't erode or crumble. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up here today because uh, last week when we ended the episode, we said this week was going to be a surprise. We, you know, normally we like to give you a little preview. The topic. Yeah, what yeah. the topic is, is, you know, for the next one. So this week we're going to be talking about some of the greatest, most I guess you could say mysterious, um, unexplained UAP, UFO mass sightings. So we have three yeah, in particular. Hard, they're hard to refute when there's like more than just one dope out there going, oh, look at exactly, the lights. Exactly. So we have three really interesting stories today to go into that. But it's interesting that you bring up Stonehenge because next week, here's an early tease for next week. It's going to go into more of the ancient alien side of things. So, But that's next week. Today we have mass sightings. Yeah, like who built all these places like Puma Punku? By the way, these stones, apparently, the geochemical composition was made from 99.7% quartz crystals, stones practically indestructible, according to a study. And the study was made possible by a diamond cutter, wow. Robert Phillips. He died last year. Rest his soul. Mm. And he should know. Diamonds, hello. And he did repair work at Stonehenge in 1958. He actually helped to restore and re-erect a fallen trilithon oh, wow. of three a stones. Trilithon. The trilithon okay. has the stone on top. Yeah, gotcha. he, he like had to drill into Stone 58. So this is going to be really interesting next week to go over that stuff. And that's a little lead-in. Yeah. Keep, keep those little things in mind. And it's uh, your, your little trivia, your tidbit. Karen actually ended up being a tease for next week. How do you yeah, like that? I love it. I think last week I teased that Venus is the number one UFO sighting. That's right. <laughs> and actually, that can kind of go into what we're doing today: mass yes. UFO sightings or UAP, um, because there have been really some some very famous ones, some very talked about ones as far as mass sightings. And again, we use the, we use the word mass intentionally because it's a lot different, like you said, Karen, when it's. A farmer in Kansas, not to put down farmers in Kansas, but when it's a farmer in Kansas who says, I saw some strange lights in the sky and everyone's like, well, you're the only one who saw them, buddy, so we don't know what to tell you. Whereas you can go to 
20, 30, 40, 100 people who all say, or an entire town in some cases that we're going to talk about today, who all say that they saw the same thing at the same time. Those are hard to explain. Those are hard to refute. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. And in the first instance, we're going to talk about Stephen Hill. Yes. No, no, uh, relation, no relation to you. Uh, Texas. But a bunch of people saw this situation. It was the biggest and most significant UFO sighting in American history. There were like 200 sightings. It was like a UFO infestation. Yeah, just that. You know, just the biggest one in history. So we're Holy starting off moly. with a bang here. Now, I believe, Karen, if uh, you have the year in front of you, I'm trying to remember the year off the top of my head. Early 2000s? 2008, January okay. 8th, right. the invasion took place. It actually, was, they first saw some of these things in the sky in December, and then on January 8th, that's when the bottom fell out, and it was one of the larger UFO sightings in the United States. Stephenville has a population of 16,000. It's known for its dairy farming. Mm -hmm. It's the self-professed cowboy capital of the world. Fantastic. Yeah. It's south of uh, Fort Worth. <laughs> okay. Now, here's some of the sound from the locals who saw what was going on. I am scared. The girls were screaming. Some of them were crying. Almost like a flock of birds. I mm -hmm. hope it's not. It appeared to be spinning. I can't explain that. I couldn't answer anything on that. What is going on here? Two large, glowing red objects we're not making no sign it was silent i counted probably maybe 10 12 14 lights just totally silent no sound i never heard of sounds there wasn't any noise this was an unusual object of some sort probably the end of our civilization as we know it oh gosh <laughs> so, <laughs> hopefully not i mean it was 13 years ago so we're doing okay so far 13 years later but um well, I guess okay is a relative term, but that's neither here nor there. It is it is interesting, though, because we say a mass sighting, and you heard a lot of different voices there, a lot of different people. They and, all saw the same thing and described it. Yeah, and the thing that it's silent, that's yes. so interesting to me. That is something that is uh, commonly, I guess you could say, reported in different sightings, especially in mass sightings where people say you don't hear it. Even in some of these sightings from different uh, military personnel that have come out through this you know, report that, that became a big deal a couple months ago. It's how, we, how and why we started this podcast to begin with was that report that came out from Congress and the New York Times put it out about the military and their, their uh, I guess, interactions with UAPs, UFOs, and they always say the same thing, silent, no propulsion, no type of smoke trail. Like, it's just zooming across the sky. And there's no explanation or rhyme or reason as to how that's happening. Except for the one contrail that we talked about that went from pole to pole. Right. Which contrails dissipate in 15 minutes. I think that was like, back in episode two, yeah, way back when. Way back. Yes. Lost time. We just experienced lost time. <laughs> um, but what's interesting on January 8th, 2008 in Stevensville, Texas, was that one of the observers, he's a pilot, Stephen Allen, mm. he said that he saw it from the ground and he described it as being a half mile wide with flashing strobe lights. That's right. And it was pursued by two fighter jets. Right. And then it disappeared at some speed he estimated to be at 3,000 miles an hour. Right, right. And he said it was a biblical experience. Yeah, it's really something when you hear different testimonials from all of these different people from all walks of life. Right now you're talking about a pilot who's in the air, who's experiencing this chase, essentially, where he's going after to investigate himself in his own aircraft. And then he has fighter jets who are chasing it. Well, so, they denied that. Initially, of course. The, the Air Force first sure. said, 
uh, witness must have seen reflections coming from commercial airliners. <laughs> yeah, commercial airliners going 3,000 miles an hour making no sound. Sure. I'd like to live sure. in that flight path, please. Yes, commercial airliners make a sound like a fighter jet. Okay. So it's, you know, just one of those ridiculous explanations that the military and the government come up with. But the, the description that he gives, Karen, was something that a lot of people gave, and it's kind of been refuted as to what exactly they saw. Some people think, well, I saw a UFO slash UAP that was, a, a, you know, half a mile wide and a mile long. Other people say, well, it wasn't a mothership because this is also, there's another name for this. It's so called, the big ones are a mothership? Right. So this has actually been given another name over time. It's been called the, the mother... big ass ship? No, that's not it. The mothership over uh, Stephenville. Stevensville. <gasps> oh. And so some people refer to it as that. Other people say that it's um, many ships, many UFOs that made it look like it was one giant mothership. So there's some dispute as to what exactly they saw, but what they what we do know is what they're saying, they can't explain it. And it was all of these lights, it was silent, it was fast, it went over the city, and no one can explain what they saw. And, well, one guy walked out of his house and said that there were military helicopters flown at low altitude over residents' homes after the fact, mm -hmm. and that they were getting strange phone calls. Uh -huh. Then one resident said an unknown man came to his door. The men in black. Oh, my gosh. And he said, he said, son, we have the same caliber weapons you have, but we have more of them. Oh, Lord. But so the United States initially said that, you know, that they you, nothing to see here. But then they said, well, we clarified that 10 F-16 fighting Falcons had been on a nighttime training mission in oh, the area. Oh, 10 of them, sure. On okay. January 8th. So it was a training mission. Right. And in the, quote, in the interest of public awareness, Air Force Reserve Command Public Affairs realized an error was made regarding the reported training activity of military aircraft. Right. Okay. So because you never hear, you know fighter jets, right? They're not extremely loud or anything like that. Anybody who's ever been to some type of air show? Oh, we love the sound. Look yes. At, look at NASCAR. We we love a, you know, Yeah, I mean, if, if you're at an air show, if you're at a sporting event, even if you're not there, if you've seen, you know, the National Anthem, just go watch Whitney Houston's National Anthem at the Super Bowl in 1991 and watch the flyover. You hear these aircraft. I mean, come on. If it was aircraft of our own, as far as fighter jets, F-16s... Yeah, they make noise. People would have known that's what it was. Now, if they want to say that's why they were out flying, that's a different story. They can say, well, we people saw our, and heard our aircraft because it was a training exercise. Well, what were they chasing then? Exactly. So there's still so many questions when it comes to the Stephenville mothership sighting. And it's, it's left unanswered because... You know, they, they don't tell you everything. Well, What's going on? Your favorite organization, MUFON.org. Uh, yes, oh, I no. love MUFON. 
The Mutual UFO Network. MoveOn.org. No, no it's different. It's MoveOn. MoveOn. The Mutual UFO Network uh, released a 77-page report on these sightings. MoveOn is a UFO investigative organization in the United States. It was founded in 1969, by the way. Wow. It now has 3,000 members. But anyway, the MoveOn report, entitled Special Research Report Stephen, not plural, Stephenville, Texas, was written by Glenn Schultz and Robert Powell. Do you know them? I know the name uh, Robert Powell. Yes. Okay, well, Schultz has radar experience from working with White Sands Missile Range, and Powell has a chemistry degree and has extensive experience with semiconductors from working for advanced micro devices. Wow. Now, the report is an analysis of radar records from the FAA and the National Weather Service obtained through the Freedom of Information Act, FOIA. They made requests, and they compared them to the witness accounts. And Schultz and Powell concluded that the radar data confirms the witness observations of an object as well as the Air Force's statement that 10 aircraft were scrambled. But they say it is too difficult to say what the witnesses saw, but that there was something there. There there indeed was. And again, it's one of those things, just kind of like with the government's report that came out. Well, there's something there. We just don't know what it is. Well, it said twice radar picked up an object traveling at 2,000 miles an Mm. hour. My gosh. And at other times, it showed a slow-moving object. Yeah, it's it's super interesting, and we don't know, and that's the bottom line. Now, I will be fair, and I'll close it up by this, because our next story is also one of the most famous mass UFO sightings ever recorded in the world. But I will say I will— In con- the universe. Yes, really. I will concede to the fact that any of these could be this one in Stephenville and the next ones we're going to talk about— well, the third one would be kind of hard to say that it's a military experiment, but this one and the next one we're going to talk about could be some type of secret military you know, technology that they're testing and they don't want people to know, so that's why they don't say anything. I will fully concede I that. No, I think the governor of Arizona would have known about it. Yes. And you're going to hear from him about this. Because about this, this next is... one. Well, when it comes to Stephenville oh, and, and the one in Arizona, because they, they, again, you know, you have detractors, you have skeptics, and that's who I speak to in this moment is they say, oh, well, it could just be, you know, military experiments and they don't want you to know about the secret technology they're testing. And I fully concede to that. They did that with the SR-71 Blackbird back in the day when they were testing that with skunk works and at, at area 51 and you know the u2 spy plane people thought those were ufos oh and weather because, balloons don't forget yeah those. of course because they couldn't explain how can aircraft get that high but it was because we had the technology for these super secret spy planes but when you look at all the facts and all the reports of these sightings it's hard for me to say this is secret u.s technology because it just sounds too far out there well, if it can go 2,000 miles an hour, I would like that because then I could, you know, fly yeah. from here to Europe in an hour. <laughs> um, so, but this is called the Phoenix Lights. Yes, story number two. called the Lights Over Phoenix. Right. Not to be misconstrued with anything else over Phoenix, but um, it was a series of widely sighted unidentified flying objects. Happened March 13th, 1997. Right. I remember this. And it was seen in Arizona, Nevada, and... The Mexican state of Sonora. Hmm. So even the Mexicans saw it. That's right. And lights of varying descriptions were seen by thousands of people. It was between 7.30 p.m. and 10.30, that's mountain time, in a space of about 300 miles from the Nevada line through Phoenix to the edge of Tucson. And there were two distinct events involved in the incident. A triangular formation of lights seen to pass over the state in a series of stationary lights seen in the Phoenix area. Right. That's right. So it was it's which is also odd because normally in a mass sighting, you have the same type of movement description. 
right? As, as in Stephenville, people are saying sometimes it was moving fast, sometimes it was hovering and moving slow. In this case, you have a stationary and a moving. So I guess it just depended on your perspective of where you were and how you saw it. But mostly this is this is famous for, like you said, the lights over Phoenix. And it became national news. I actually remember this. I'm kind of aging myself here, but I was 11 years old when this happened. And I remember seeing this on the nightly you news. You were 11 in 97? I was, yes. I know, I'm sorry. And so, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. And I remember seeing this and being fascinated. And maybe this is where my my obsession, if you will, about the unknown of UFOs and you know UAP and alien life kind of started was probably from this. This might be my, my nexus event of where this all started. Well, according to the United States Air Force, they identified the second group of lights as flares. Right. Dropped by A-10 Warthog aircraft. That's incorrect. No, that, well, you're you're right in their explanation. Yeah, but that were training on exercises at the Barry Goldwater Range in Southwest Arizona. Witnesses claim to have observed a huge carpenter square-shaped UFO containing five spherical lights or possibly light-emitting engines. Right. So that's the weird thing about this too. Is if you remember the footage. Of this, and if not, you can just search "lights over Phoenix" on YouTube, and you see all the no, old footage. No, you're going to go to a50wftl.com. Ah, of course, that and you're going to look at uh, our our blog. Right? Yes, do we have a blog. We do have a blog. Okay, and we'll have the video there of the lights over Phoenix because there's video of it. Even easier. So we'll put the video up there on our blog. So once you uh, are done with this episode, go ahead and head over a50wftl.com and to the UAP blog. And you can see this this video if you don't remember this uh, scenario because what happened in some cases what the people were seeing were it started off as one light, two lights, three lights, and these lights kept appearing until you could see basically five lights in a V shape. And that's why when you have witnesses draw pictures of this aircraft, they draw a giant V shape. So, you know, like an incomplete triangle and with the point at, at the front of it. And it hasn't, stealth bombers Moving. don't have lights like that, okay? Right. Now, it's, you know, the stealth bomber, and I've seen a stealth bomber in person fly over when I was at a football game one time. This was not a stealth bomber. Right, you know. Yes. Well, in fact, Stephen, one witness is very credible. The governor oh, yeah. of Arizona. <laughs> Guess what his name is? Fife Symington. That's a strong name. I know. He was the governor of, of Arizona at the time, and years later, he said he witnessed the incident. He actually was talking with Fox 10 Phoenix in May of 2014. Remember, this happened in 1997. And so initially he was afraid to talk about it. Right. But here is old Fife. It's nothing like anything I've ever seen. And, and you're an Air Force guy. Yeah, yeah. And a pilot. Uh, got a lot of hours flying. So uh, it was pretty breathtaking. And I'll never forget, I, I snuck out to see it you know, without DPS. I'm not supposed to be driving my own car, and I told Ann what I was doing. I was going to go up to Squaw Peak and see what everybody was, you know, clamoring about. And um, when I walked in the front door, she looked at me. Just normally, I'm fair complected and pale anyway, right? And she said, "Oh my gosh!" She said, "She'd look like a ghost." What, what, what did you see? And I said, well, "I don't know what I saw, but it's, it was really something, and I'm not going to talk about it." <laughs> he called it otherworldly. What are the white aliens? The with the blue eyes, like the Anderson Cooper ones? Uh, they call those the Nordics. The Nordics. I mean, yes. He looks like a Nordic, this fight. <laughs> I mean, so, Anderson Cooper aliens. Yes. I, I love that sound personally from the governor, the former governor of Arizona, Fife, Governor Fife. And because it goes to the, the culture of secrecy. 
right? He went in and and investigated for himself. This is the governor of the state at the time. Without security. Right. What is is that DPS? Is security? Yeah, it's like his, you know, his his detail, if you will, a okay. secret service for the governor, if you right. will, if you want to compare it to that. So he leaves without his his security detail and kind of goes off on his own to check this out because he wanted to, you know, not have anybody bother him. And as he goes out there to check this out, that's what he sees. He sees the lights over Phoenix. Imagine a major American city and everybody's seen a giant UFO flying over. That's what happened in Phoenix on March 13th, 1997. And even the governor at the time went out to check it out, saw it, knew he was experiencing something different, something he's never seen before, something literally out of this world. And he's a pilot, so he should know. Exactly. So you have a credible witness more, moreover on that because he knows aeronautics and things of that nature. And he's coming back and saying, I don't know what I saw, but it's not of this world, but I can't say that to anybody. That, again, went to this, the, the, the culture of secrecy or the the stigma, if you will. This yeah. is taboo. You weren't supposed to oh, talk about this if you seeing, did. Seeing little gray men. Yeah, then people little thought. Little green men. Right, green, gray, purple, whatever. People thought you were crazy if you talked about seeing these things. So him as the governor, he knew he saw something strange. He knew he saw something he couldn't explain. But he couldn't come out to talk about it because that was the idea behind this. And it still is in some cases. Well, People he, feel like they're, they're, you know, you're going to be crazy if you talk about it. He waited till 2014. Here's more of the interview. Well, I saw a, uh, a huge craft just kind of come right over Squaw Peak that was, you know, it was just breathtaking. And um, unquestionably, it was a UFO, which means unidentified flying object. Thank you. That's right. Thank you, Fife. <laughs> I mean, by actual definition, it was a UFO, yes. Or now a UAP, right? That's right. Unidentified aerial phenomenon yeah. is the uh, the government term for this because they wanted to get away from UFOs since it has that stigma around it. Has it has a My Favorite Martian stigma to it. Right. My favorite Martian intro starring Ray Walston and Bill Bixby in 1965. <laughs> so they went with... <laughs> that's true. I mean, they, it has this this stigma that when you hear UFO, and yeah. the first thing most people do is they roll their eyes. Ah, you and your aliens. I know. When we decided to do this podcast, I you know, before that was me. And then when the government report came out, I'm like, maybe there's something to this because there's some pretty educated people who say they saw stuff. Here's more on Fife. Bigger than anything I've ever seen in the sky. Like an aircraft carrier in the yeah, sky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know. And it, and it was hard to define because of the light in terms of the size, but it but it was absolutely silent and had sort of eerie embedded lights, and that's what I saw. Yeah, so as we said, the Air Force said, no, 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 that was flares. And the governor, no, he says it wasn't flares. There have been so many different sort of sightings and inexplicable phenomena, that, but the disparity in terms of technological progress would be so vast that we would be, I think, of sort of no consequence to whoever is visiting us because the technology to get here would be just beyond anything we could imagine. Did it hover? No, it was just going in a straight line. Slow pace. Yeah, slow pace, yeah. And then, you know, there were all the sightings. Flares. There were the sightings of the America West plane coming into yeah. Sky Harbor, said he could have landed on it. <gasps> it's that big. It was whoa, that big. Whoa. Right. So that's a commercial airliner saying they could have landed on this thing, which goes back to the Stephenville mothership story. I mean, these things in some cases are enormous, and that's where you have these mass sightings that people cannot explain. And it's I'm glad you brought up the flares again, Karen. Yeah. Because just to go back to that explanation real quick, 
from the military because that was that's the official explanation and some people are fine with that and they say when they hear the phoenix light story they say oh what are you crazy that's that was debunked years ago the military said it was flares okay use your brain for a second okay <laughs> please please a10s i actually did research on this have 30 flares that they can shoot off, okay? The flares don't last very long. Right, That's another right, thing you right. have to remember. People said they, they, these lights hovered for, you know, close to an hour, for a long time. These flares are not going to last for an hour. They were special flares, Stephen. Yeah, exactly. And flares, in case you're wondering what they're used for, they're, to, you know, to put out basically like heat-seeking missiles that come up from the ground. They're anti-aircraft missiles, so the flares burn hotter than the exhaust would from the airplane. Which is my other point. There was no exhaust scene from the aircraft. So you can get target lock. Right. So in this case, the you know the A-10 would drop the flares, and that way the missile hits the flares instead of the plane. But if you're seeing an A-10 dropping flares, number one, you're going to hear the A-10. Right. It's a war plane. You're going to hear it. Number two, you're going to see the exhaust coming out, and that's why it would drop flares to begin with as far as a military exercise. In this case, if it was a secret military exercise like they were talking about, you would have heard it. You would have seen it. The governor would have known about it. He goes, exactly. It was not a B-1 bomber. No, it wasn't even close to a B-1. It was much bigger than a B-1. A B-1 actually isn't that big. I mean, right. I mean, if it's, it's at low altitude, it'll appear a big, but no, this, this was totally different. Something, though, that you think our own government may have been kind of running by a populated area to see what would happen? <laughs> well, they certainly, they certainly achieved uh, their goal of stirring the pot, if that's what they were doing. But I don't think, I don't think so. I, don't, I think this was technologically far advanced. And that's, I mean, there you go. That's the governor saying that, the former governor, back when this happened in 1997 of Arizona, Fife Symington. <laughs> That's his. It's Fifey. Fifey, would you give my slippers, please? Fifey darling. I hope his wife talks to him like that. But that's his That's his take on it. And this, again, former governor, and, uh, former know, pilot, knows I, what he's talking about. The B-1 appears larger when it's closer. Things in mirror appear closer than they are larger. What? <laughs> Objects may appear closer than they seem. So it's, and also on the flares, like we said, the A-10s would shoot out 30 flares. Again, Maybe this this might be on our blog, too, to show you the difference in flares, what flares look like, as opposed to the Phoenix lights. Because when an airplane, or war, a warplane in this case, and what they're saying it was, their official explanation, shoots out flares, they come out like rapid fire. It's right. boom, 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 right out the back. These were steady lights that stayed there, and five of them, not 30, five. So, I mean, come on, guys, do better than that. So this, to me is one of the most famous, if not the most famous, mass sighting that, in my book, is still unexplained. Because you even had, I think it was the mayor of Phoenix, and he regrets this now, because when this was all happening, like I said, it was national news at the time, and really world news, because it got picked up by so many outlets. He came out to a press conference to try to explain what was happening, and he's like, we have the culprit here to explain what's happening, and he had one of his assistants come out dressed as a gray alien. Oh. And people were laughing, they made fun of it, and he said later on after that, after his term was up, he's like, you know, I did that to try to make a joke of it. He's like, but I saw it too, and I can't explain it, and I kind of regret making a joke of it because I feel like I delegitimized our citizens who were concerned about this, and to this day, it's not explained. Well, like War of the Worlds with, you know, the opening of the jar in a toilet, that was the sound effect, and people were freaking out. And that's, the, I guess the government's afraid that's how we would react in reality. Now nearer home comes a special bulletin from Trenton, New Jersey. 
It is reported that at 8.50 p.m., a huge flaming object, believed to be a meteorite, fell on a farm in the neighborhood of Grover's Mill, New Jersey, 22 miles from Trenton. The flash in the sky was visible within a radius of several hundred miles, and the noise of the impact was heard as far north as Elizabeth. We have dispatched a special mobile unit to the scene. Now the smoke's spreading faster. It's reached Times Square. People are trying to run away from it, but it's no use. They, they're falling like flies. It's 50 feet. It's October 30th, 1938. War of the Worlds. But in 1994, 60 children at Ariel School in Ruwa, Zimbabwe, yes. said they saw a UFO and aliens with big eyes in the bushland near their school playground. And the story got reported around the world because they drew pictures of them. So this is story you number three. You can't refute this stuff. <laughs> no, it's, just, it's not like a right. photo. These kids drew it. Right. And that's that's why we chose these three stories in particular because they're so hard to argue and they've stood the test of time. And this last one is, our, is the oldest story out of the bunch. And like you said, 1994. This is a different type of mass sighting, Karen. This is a mass sighting where you're not just having people on the ground looking up to the sky and saying, I'm seeing lights that I can't explain hovering over me. This is a mass sighting of, we have seen craft land and we've seen beans come off the craft. Here is our picture description of what they looked like. And these are children. Right. Well, and we also have the picture up at our website, a50wftl.com. Yeah, you can see the picture they drew. It's our part of our cover photo, actually, for our, our uh, episode eight this week of mass sightings. The BBC crew were among the first on the scene, and they spoke to the kids and the teachers. Uh, I guess the BBC speaks um, Zimbabwean. Maybe. Yeah, um, <laughs> reporter also... embedded. I don't know. <laughs> They also report strange lights and a craft in the sky in other parts of Zimbabwe as well as in Zambia right. and in South Africa. No, you're right. They they have these reports coming out of Zimbabwe and Zambia, but Zimbabwe is where the sighting took place. But it is interesting to bring up Zambia as well because normally in these mass sighting situations, you have what they call cluster sightings. And that's where you have different sightings, different days for an extended period of time. We've seen it happen in England. We've seen it happen in the Middle East. We've seen it happen in the United States, most famously with, you know, in the areas of Arizona. The Phoenix Lights are just one, the most famous case of a sighting in Arizona. There is always sightings in Arizona. Whatever it is, Arizona is a hotbed. That? That's interesting. And, of course, New Mexico. But that area, that region there, um, for whatever reason is kind of a hotbed. But when it comes to this case in Zimbabwe, this to me is also one of the most incredible cases and most one of the most hardest things to refute because now you're dealing with school age, school age children. Right, and they're all drawing the same thing. They're all drawing the same thing. And think about how, how children uh, operate. You might have a couple of you know troublemakers in the group, but you're not going to get 60 kids to agree. Again, school age, I'm talking you know before middle school. You're not going to get 60 kids all to agree on a story and and hold true to that story. There's going to be maybe two or three that try to trick you and say, yeah, look, we'll draw some pictures and play a prank, play a trick on everybody. You have all 60 kids. Right, agreeing on what they saw. Agreeing it's, and saying, yes, this is true. It's like when Americans flew in with their little biplanes. They made biplanes out of straw Yeah. to, you know, to show what they thought was from the gods. Right. You know, I right? Mean, they you, they recreate what they see. Yeah, exactly. And so, in this case, like you said, they're recreating what they're seeing, which is why the 
Ancient Aliens in our episode nine next week is going to be so interesting because people recreate what they see in the only ways they know how. And that's what they did in Zimbabwe. These kids, they took their pen, their paper. They're at school. They have all the school supplies in their desk. And they draw this picture of an alien. Yeah. And a <laughs> and ship. UFO. Yeah. And so I don't know that they had internet in 1994 in Zimbabwe. But the other, we're going to take you to Bolivia next week and Puma Pumku. But there's only one explanation for everything that we've learned on this podcast. Probably the end of our civilization as we know it. Oh, no. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Maybe that's what the kids were thinking in Zimbabwe. Because think about how... Shocked they must have been when this is happening, right? Well, I mean, yeah, have you school. ever seen anything weird? Um, because I think if you are, per- if you personally do see something, a UFO, and you've experienced it, it's going to change the way you look at everything from the Earth to the universe to our solar system, everything. I think it, it resets your mind because now you've seen it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I've heard people say that before, like, oh, I was a, a skeptic before I saw something myself. Now, I've always been intrigued by it. I've always leaned toward these. This is real and it's unexplained. We just don't know what's going on. Like the cargo cult. I mean, I saw something strange one time. That it might have been helicopters, though. So I can't say that what I saw was actually UFOs. Or, I mean, it was unidentified to me because I couldn't tell what it was. Well, we had one over Miami recently. I put video up at our website. Right. These things have been seen everywhere all the time around the world. And, you know, these three cases that we went over today are really, to me, the, the, the most, the three most interesting, famous, irrefutable mass sighting cases I've come across. Because when you have, there was even more going on in that story in Zimbabwe where investigators came out and the grass was glowing. That was unexplained. Really? Some of the kids had some type of uh, sickness, I believe, that could only be explained by, you know, in coming in contact with radiation. Huh. There was a lot going on with that where, again, I have two young kids, okay, a 60-year-old and a 4-year-old, and I'm telling you, it's impossible to get two kids that age to agree on a story. It's absolutely 100, 100% impossible to have 60 kids School-age children agree on a story and not deviate from the story. This is not, you know, a mastermind gang where, hey, all right, here's what we're going to do. Here's the yeah, story. Yeah, if you tried to tell them to get, get on the same page, there's no No, way. no, absolutely <laughs> not. But when something happens that's so, you know, earth-shattering to these people, they remember it. Exactly, and that's exactly it. So this was such a huge event for them that it all, it hit them all the same way where, yes, this happened. Yes, we saw this. Yes, we saw this alien. We saw the UFO. Here's our drawings. It's called a crystalline moment. It just crystallizes in your head for everyone that experienced it. And actually, the story that I saw in this, they were older being interviewed and they still tell the same story because it stuck with them all of their lives. Again, this happened, you know, 27 years ago. So they're being interviewed 20 years after the fact in the story that I saw. And so it's. I know if you ask someone about an accident or a a robbery, they'll say, "Oh, he had on a blue hoodie." No, he had on a gray sweatshirt. Right. Oh, yeah. Everyone's got a different story. Right. But not in this case. No, in this case, and that's a great point because this is a a case, as far as in Zimbabwe with the school children, that has stood the test of time, and that all of the witnesses still tell the same story and they talk about it like it happened yesterday. So that, to me means that this actually happened to them and they're not making it up. Did they communicate with the beings? Uh, no, but they said they saw it kind of walking about, kind of walked into the bush, no. and then it you know, eventually took off. And 
They saw the lights. They saw everything. I mean, they they were all a part of this and all experienced and, it you know, together. They, they don't know. They probably did not have a lot of high technology in the area. So this would have been really... 1994 Zimbabwe. I mean, my gosh, 1994 in my house in Boca Raton and have a lot of technology. So, <laughs> exactly. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, this is something that's, again... That, to me, that story, especially, I know Stephenville, the mothership over there, very interesting, a lot of sightings, the lights over Phoenix, unexplainable. This this one really hits you like, all right, something weird is going on. How do all these kids have the same recollection, the same way of the same story? So It's pretty hard. Now, speaking of how do people have the same recollection of the same story and standing the test of time, uh, next week, we're going to get into, like we said earlier, as we started, the ancient alien aspect of things. So now we're not going to get into, you know, like the show and go no. crazy and go into all these different theories. But things like, you know, Puma Punka um, or Puma Punka, I'm sorry, you know, uh, Akhenaten, things like that. There's there's so much to unravel when it comes to the ancient aliens and how people recorded it, you know, thousands of years ago. Some of these sites just defy any type of... Reality and how things were built so perfectly. I mean, there's so many things to get into on this next week. Ancient astronaut theorists say yes. Yes. So make sure to check out episode nine then next week on UAP Unidentified, Unidentified Alien Podcast. And make sure to go back and listen to the other ones too if you thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I haven't heard episodes one through seven. Apple, Spotify, or WFTL.com, where all the episodes are. You can listen to that. Or any other place where you get podcasts because we're everywhere. So you can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Download, subscribe, give us at least five stars. Extraterrestrial stars. Extraterrestrial stars. <laughs> we appreciate it and we appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Yes, Karen Curtis there. Stephen Dean are here. So be sure to tune in again next time on UAP, Unidentified Alien Podcast. Ancient Alien is going to be fun next time. We're going to change the name because you can't say Unidentified. I can't say Unidentified. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a new name next week as well. well it was going to be Fifty Shades of Grey's, but that can't, can't do that. All right. Well, we'll thanks. Talk, for- talk to you then. Okay.